Hello and welcome to Motorsport Week's F1 podcast series, Motorsport Speak, the show where we discuss about the latest that is happening in the world of Formula One. Tom Cairns, your host, alongside Michael Gillespie, Izzy Holman and Manena Manatau. This week, we build up to the opening race of the 2021 season in Bahrain this weekend and what we can expect over the course of this weekend coming up. Good evening, Izzy. Good evening, Manena. Good evening, Michael. How are we all? It's been a long, long winter. We've had the pre-season testing in Bahrain, which has given us the first glimpse of the new cars for this season. How are we feeling um, going into it? Izzy, we'll start with you. I think you can't say that you're not excited. Um, you know, the new season, new prospects, new tracks. It's always exciting. Um, and obviously we've got lots and lots of new driver lineups, which um, I'm, you know, my favorite bit is the sort of dynamics and the team dynamics and stuff like that. You know, I love all of that stuff. Um, so definitely there's going to be a, a lot to be excited about um, for me this season. And um, Manana, welcome to the show as well. Um, it's been, it's been very, very hectic. You know, we've just been three days of pre-season testing, which is just the shortest um, in Formula One history. Um, Anything that caught your eye, really? Because the Red Bull looks strong. Mercedes seems to be on the back foot a little bit. We don't know if they'll have been sandbagging like they have done in previous years. What's your what's your verdict on what we've seen so far? Well, actually, quite a few things caught my eye. And thank you once again for having me on the show. Um, Alfa Tauri, for me, that was like the surprise team. Who would say that Yuki Tsunoda was going to end up second place on any day of qualifying? I mean, he's not only a rookie, but he's in what is considered to be a midfield team. So I have high expectations of Alfa Tauri this season. Also, yes, as you mentioned, Red Bull is a beast. But McLaren is on fire this season too. I can't wait to see what Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris are going to do this season. Yeah. Um, Izzy, from what we've seen from pre-season testing, it looks as though that, you know, Red Bull seems to have got it right so far. Max Verstappen coming out saying that um, it's been his best pre-season since he debuted in F1. And I think you have to say Red Bull are going to go into that Bahrain Grand Prix weekend as perhaps the favourites to um, to be coming out on top. Yeah, I, I like to be cautious because I don't want to be disappointed in case Lewis Hamilton inevitably pulls out a, a lap that's half a second quicker than, than Max Verstappen. Um, but they did look look good um, in testing. Um, and hopefully with Sergio Perez, you know, he's such an experienced driver and, and a great driver too, that um, hopefully he'll be able to sort of back Max up a little bit um, in the way that um, sort of Alex and, and Pierre weren't necessarily able to to do uh, the past couple of seasons uh, so hopefully that will give Red Bull a little bit of a boost in being closer to Mercedes um, if and when Mercedes get their sort of problems over with. Um, but what I would say is that Mercedes I think they I wouldn't say they look comfortable they just look edgy in terms of where they are because Bahrain is a weekend I think it's going to be damage limitation for Mercedes and the next race after that um, it's not for another three weeks. Um, and I think the European phase of the seasons where Mercedes is going to be coming strong. So, you know, if there was one race weekend where they can afford, um, you know, a, a one-off weekend, let's say, Bahrain, the opening race of the season, um, is the place to um, to have it, really. Um, Mena, would you agree with it? 
Um, well, for me, Bahrain has actually been Grand Prix that other teams have been strong on. So I really do hope that Mercedes does fix all their technical difficulties because it seems to be not only affecting them, but Aston Martin too. But in my opinion, I don't have any favoritisms, but it would be nice to see other teams beat Mercedes this season. And I, I, it'd be nice, you know, for McLaren and Alpine because Alpine have been strong um, on their um, race trims and on their own programs as well with Esteban Ocon and Fernando Alonso. And um, I've got a feeling that they're going to have um, a satisfactory year um, for both both those teams. And um, you know, going into the Bahrain Grand Prix weekend, of it's the third Grand Prix that they'll be hosting in the space of four months, um, which is hard to think that really. Um, but, you know, can Red Bull win in Bahrain, um, which is something they haven't done since 2013? And, you know, I I'm confident they can do it. Um, Izzy, it's, you know, with Max Verstappen there, obviously knows the car more, but Sergio Perez is the more experienced driver. You know, can Perez be close enough to Verstappen to challenge for victory from Bahrain? I think it's difficult to tell whether Perez is going to be that close. I mean, he did look good in in testing. You know, he was he was doing well. Um, but I think after being at Racing Point now, Aston Martin was for India uh, for so long. It's it will be a, it, you know it'll be difficult for him to change to fit into a new team. And I'm sure they'll all be working as hard as they can to to get him to fit in. But in terms of Red Bull either car winning in Bahrain, I mean. They may not have won in Bahrain for ages, but they hadn't won in Abu Dhabi for ages. And and Max Verstappen went and won, you know, that last race at the end of last season. So I do think it's entirely possible that, you know, I do think Mercedes will fix whatever is wrong with the sort of rear end of their car. But if they haven't quite got it fixed in time for, for this weekend, I do think it's entirely possible that either Max or Sergio will uh, win in Bahrain. Yeah, and... You know, and Lewis Hamilton won the um, the Bahrain Grand Prix last year, the first of the uh, the, the double header that we had um, last year. I'll be hoping to do it again for the third year running, um, but I think he's going to find it quite tough um, given um, how Mercedes' preseason testing has um, has gone on. Um, with my regards to Ferrari, they with Leclerc and Sainz, they, they you know the, the car just looks a little bit too unbalanced. Um, but there is something um, in regards to what they're trying to find with the, uh, I think, with the rear end of their um, of their new car. And is that the Achilles heel, um, Manella, with Ferrari? Is rear downforce the, the weakness that they've got at the moment? Because the horsepower advantage, which this, they were lacked of um, last year, have they managed to recover that? Well, I do think this year's Ferrari car is getting better than last year. I mean, to be honest, they have never had a worse season than last year. So any improvement would be an advance for them. I'm also excited to see a new driver in the team and see this whole dynamism between Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. They both seem like very ambitious drivers. And we all know that Carlos Sainz is very good at getting to know their car and what he does when he's not driving. He always goes to the factory, try to kind of analyze the car. And I think that he could actually help Ferrari 
to improve all these problems that are happening on the Ferrari engine or the car or you name it. But the livery looks fast. It had never looked this sporty. So let's just hope that the Ferrari car is as fast as it looks. Yeah. And, you know, is it, it's, you know, with Bahrain being a fantastic venue um, under the lights and it's a great way to start the season. In fact, I don't think we've had a, um, a Bahrain Grand Prix um, starting the season under the lights, which I think would be a new thing for Formula One, actually. But do you think that, um, I mean, fans, we should see fans there um, for the event, providing they are um, vaccinated or COVID free. Um, it'd be great to see them back and to see the cars actually um, go wheel to wheel for the first time in a few months. Yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like it's going to be slightly strange to see fans back <laughs> at race weekends because, um, you know, here in the UK, you know, it's still we're still in lockdown. <laughs> um, so I'm definitely going to be jealous seeing um, fans in, in Bahrain. Um, but I think it's definitely going to hopefully bring back some of that key you know element of this but the fans of any sport are so important to the survival of it um and I think especially for the drivers I remember at the start of last season when it finally got going um they were saying it's so odd to have to not have the fans to not hear them uh to not be able to see them you know not be able to wave to them when they finish the the races um so I think it'll definitely bring back a lot, a lot of atmosphere. Um, and I think Bahrain's going to be good for, for a season opener. Um, Manana, it's, it's something to, you know, you know, Bahrain does bring on that sort of um, spark, let's say, um, for, you know, for an event that's hosted, that's been hosting night races since 2014. Um, what about, you know, in terms of the, you know, the cars going around Bahrain and how they've fared over the years um, since it's moved from what was a day uh, race to a night one. Can you repeat me the question, please? Sorry, yeah. Um, in terms of the Bahrain event, you know, it used to be sort of like a day race and now it's been transferred to a night race. Has that sort of um, helped cement its place on the calendar, like how it's become a better venue than it would have been like during the day when it's hosted? Well, I think it adds more versatility, to be honest, because Formula One races are known to be day races, which in a way kind of gives the drivers an advantage to make it easier. And I quote, because they are seeing every single obstacle available when it's the night. It just makes it much more interesting because they're only guided by lights, but anything can happen. I mean, I personally prefer night races because in my opinion, they're much more exciting and seeing what was once a day race become a night race. I feel it does kind of add that little bit more of spice to the race. And I would love to see Sergio Perez win again. Um, Izzy, your thoughts on Alvatari's um, showing in Bahrain pre-season testing? Because I think, you know, given where they finished last year, you know, they weren't expected to be scoring high. Um, despite Gasly winning at Monza. But um, they seem to have a car that's um, made a step up from last year's um, car. Yeah, I, I definitely think that they've um, made a step up uh, since last year. Um, and I think Yuki Tsunoda is a, a quick learner. Um, so I think pairing him with, with Pierre is, um, is definitely a, 
a, a good um, move from from the team. Um, you know, Yuki Sonoda is so quick, um, and you know he's quick enough to. He's been promoted. You know, he spends one season in a in a series, and he gets promoted straight away, which I think definitely um, shows his caliber uh, as a driver. Um, and my favorite fact about him is he's the same height as me. <laughs> Which, you know, as a woman, there's no there's no women on the grid. So if they're anywhere near my height, then there's something for me. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, I definitely think that they've made a step up, and I'd like to see that hopefully reflected in the championship standings this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, Alfa Sorry, um, I think they're going to be really, really um, one of the teams most definitely to look forward to. Um, because I think the, the joint most number of laps um, with Alfa Romeo um, from pre-season testing, Manana, which is great to see, great reliability and a car that can, uh, that performs very, very well. Yes, I agree with you. Um, the rookies are actually stepping it up this season and I like to see midfield teams also improving their cars so much. I mean, you can't really base all of your facts on preseason testing, but if the teams really do perform, you know, the under teams, let's say, really do perform like they did on preseason, then 2021 is going to be even more exciting than 2020. All the teams are kind of equal in a way now. And I feel that since they all have the same budget now, it's much easier for the underdogs to kind of go up, get up to the level of the top teams. So I am really excited to see what all of those midfield teams can actually do this season. That's for me is going to be the most exciting battle of the season midfield. Yeah. And you know, the midfield is interesting one. I mean, you know, by, you know, people's definition of the midfield, you know, they can be different to each other, you know, what's the definition of a mid of a midfield you know are they sort of never going to be fighting at the front or they're sort of knocking on the door at the front but just cannot um you know find a way through there um i do feel that the likes of mclaren and alpine are in the midfield but they are teams that can you know threaten to be at the front um on the odd occasion and um, going back to the days when reliability was such a huge issue in formula one particularly in the 80s and the 90s you had teams who at times didn't have the best reliability but still put on a you know great performance um, and you had teams which wasn't as competitive but did pick up the scraps um on the days where others um had failed really um I obviously we don't we can't expect that really because the cars are a lot more reliable now. Um, so if McLaren and Alpine are going to be um, fighting at the front or wanting to be fighting at the front, then they need to continue making up um, the time, you know, on Mercedes and for uh, and Red Bull. In which you know you think about the new regs for next year, with the you know the front wings and the rear wings and being able to follow a car in the straight line more, and not being in the turbulent air of as much um it's going to provide better racing and i think that's something which um fans seem to have misinterpreted um what's missing um in formula one where you've got teams you've got you want as many teams fighting at the front as possible but i think what's more important is the racing itself i mean do people want better racing or do they want un more unpredictable results what's your What's your perspective on this, Izzy? Because for all I know with Grand Prix Racing, you know, where we've got either a driver or a team that's been dominating for so long, 
people are sort of asking, well, we want a different driver to be doing well, or we want the racing to be better. But what's what's missing from, from your side of it? I mean, I think we all love the unpredictable results last year that we got, you know, Pierre Gasly winning in Monza and, you know, that podium and, you know, Sergio Perez winning was, you know, those kind of things. It was so great to see, you know, we had quite a few first podiums for people. Um, but I think in the long term, overall, I just want to see good racing. Um, and I'd, I'd really like to see a proper title fight. Um, you know, there was a couple of years where Sebastian Vettel was quite close with Lewis Hamilton and there, there were sort of, it was more tense. Um, but I think the past couple of, of seasons has been quite, oh yeah, Hamilton's going to win, you know, which is great. And he, Lewis Hamilton is an, is an incredible driver. Um, and, you know, he's brilliant for the sport. Um, he's such a, you know, in and out of the sport, he's an incredible person. But I do want to see, and I think he'd probably welcome this, you know, someone sort of up there fighting with him a bit more. Um, you know, I know Bottas has been close, but he's, it's, it's just not, I just want a title fight between two people, preferably from opposing teams. You know, a Max Verstappen-Lewis Hamilton title fight would be sort of my dream for next season right now. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's probably what's missing the most from me is that sort of title fight. Yeah, and considering we've got um, champions on the grid with a combined total of, what's that now? 14 championships between them, Lewis Hamilton, uh, Sebastian Vettel, Fernando Alonso and Kimi Raikkonen, which you wouldn't have thought that, Manano, because um, we've had so many, um, We've in the last 10 years, only two teams have won the Constructors' Championship. They are Mercedes and Red Bull. And I think that's what's missing um, with the teams not being able to fight at the front as much. I mean, Ferrari have been there, but other teams haven't quite prevailed as well as um, the likes of Mercedes and Red Bull have done. Right, I absolutely agree with you. That's why I can't wait for the 2022 rules to be applied now. That is definitely gonna make everything much more exciting and a lot of more teams are going to be able to fight for that constructors and for that world championship. I really do see McLaren growing so much also. I do feel they could be a big contender, maybe not this year, but in future years to that championship. I mean, Ricardo cannot leave the Formula One without winning that title, to be honest, in my opinion. But what Izzy said, a Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton kind of duel that would be the dream. I personally think I'm probably being way too bold, but in my predictions video, I gave the title to Max Verstappen. I probably am not 100% sure that's going to happen, but what I do know is that Red Bull is winning constructors this season, which will be okay, it's only Mercedes Red Bull for the last 10 years, but at least it's not going to be Mercedes this season, which they have won constructors for the past, what, six years? So it would, it would be nice to see somebody other than Mercedes win something. Mm -hmm. I, mean, it's, I mean, it's now 11 years um, since any, any team other than Mercedes or Red Bull, in fact, the last team um, other than those two is Ferrari because Braun won it in 2009 before they came became uh, Mercedes as well. So, so that's something to take into consideration. And um, I think when the new regs do does come in, I think it's not not radically changed the pecking order, but it just gives that 
it just tightens the field a little bit more. Um, and I think with Danny Ricardo, um, as you touched on there, Manana, um, you know, for, for, we're interested to get your thoughts, Izzy, on them um, with Ricardo's um, time with McLaren so far. They seem to have not had any issues at the moment. They've got the Mercedes power unit, which is the first time they've had since 2014. The car looks strong. Um, in terms of the double diffuser, now the double diffuser thing was something that we discussed um, recently. Um, it's it does seem to give them that sort of rear downforce advantage on the straights, and I would say that that's going to help them, you know, when it comes to overtaking. Yeah, there's nothing worse than realizing that a, the driver behind you is within one second, and sometimes you just know that with DRS at the moment you just can't do anything they're just going to get past um so i think it'd be nice sort of hopefully mccarran have got that little advantage with their with their downforce and they'll make it a bit more difficult um in terms of daniel ricardo being there i think i mean i think daniel ricardo is an incredible driver um and i think it's a step in the right direction for him um especially with the um trajectory that mccarran are on you know they are really work you know they've you know they were like sort of ninth sixth fourth and then third last year i think uh, in the constructors um so they you know they're they're really on this upwards trajectory and i think they've got the right people you know with zach brown and andres seidel um i think you know they've got a good driver lineup um and i think that definitely daniel will help them continue this the, the forward momentum um to hopefully keep them in that sort of third place third place spot I, I don't know if I'm thinking this, but the last time, well, well, when Daniel Ricciardo moved to Renault from Red Bull, they were on this sort of reject trajectory climb, if you want to call it. Ninth in 2016, sixth in 2017, fourth in 2018. And then Ricciardo obviously joined. And then obviously McLaren have had ninth, sixth, fourth and third. So it's like when Ricciardo's joined a team that's done so well, I'm not jinxing this, but I'm just thinking, you know, his, I'm just hoping the history doesn't repeat itself for Ricardo. you know, joining a team, a good time, well, joining a team that's doing, been doing so well over the last few years, but not quite performing as well as Ricardo would like to see you have done. Um, do you see that going that way, Manana? I like to think it wouldn't do. Well, I have quite a few comments about this. What I do know is that Whenever Carlos Sainz joins a team, the team goes up. So, and whenever Carlos Sainz leaves the team, Daniel Ricciardo goes to that team. So we all know he might be joining Ferrari soon. No, just kidding, that's from Mick. But let's hope this doesn't happen. Um, I do feel that we always see the surface of the Formula One. The performance of the drivers, the cars, the team principles, blah, 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 you name it. But we never really see what's going behind the scenes you know I feel and maybe I'm gonna sound a lot like a mom but I feel the psychology of the drivers is so important for their performance and we've all seen in the past that this really does affect Daniel Ricciardo he has never been in a team that is so family oriented let's say and that's what McLaren is known for the environment is very you know positive good vibes both drivers, even though there's always number one and number two, both drivers are in a way kind of equal. Like they put the same focus and attention to both drivers. So I feel this is going to be really good for Daniel Ricciardo's 
energy, vibe, however you want to put it. And quite the contrary, I think this might be the team to help Daniel Ricardo grow and move forward. And for Lando Norris, he goes into his third season in Formula One, and it doesn't feel too long since his debut two years ago in Melbourne. Um, but he's, he's growing and learning a lot, um, is he, um, throughout his time in Formula One. He got the podium finish in Austria, and he just, he seems to have a, he seems to have got a very, very good handle on the car, and he has done since he's made his F1 debut. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, he was sort of part of McLaren before he became you know, one of their drivers as well. So I think that's really helped him is having a stable environment. Um, and he clearly made a, a, you know, there was a step up between his, you know, rookie season and last season. He was definitely pushing Carlos a lot more, you know, which goes to show in their, in their stats at the end of the season, they were pretty much nearly equal. Um, and whereas, you know, a lot of the other teams, it's like one driver's, you know, got twice, three times as many points as the other driver. Um, so I think, you know, he's learned a lot from Carlos and I think he will also be able to learn a lot from Daniel, especially with Daniel being, you know, race winner, you know, been in a race winning team. Um, and yeah, I, I you know, I, I do think it's a great driver pairing provided they don't fall out. I'm slightly worried that they might fall out. Um, but I think if they can stay friends, then it's definitely going to strengthen the team. Yeah. And the next team we'll go on to is Williams. George Russell, um, yeah, I think Williams was sort of going there as like the underdogs, um, obviously to try and get into Q2, because I feel that the likes of Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tauri have stepped up. And I think with Aston Martin, Alpine, McLaren, Mercedes and Red Bull, you know, sort of cemented in that sort of Q2 phase. We're not expecting to get knocked, knocked out in Q1. I think Williams have to target to try and get into Q2 and then sort of try and finish as high as possible, really, um, and trying to get into the points, which is something they struggled last year again. And... I think, had they made a step up from last year's car, I think you have to say yes, because if you look at the comparisons of the 2020 qualifying times to pre-season testing times for this year, Williams are the only team to have made up time in comparison to all the other teams. Mercedes are the worst ones, which is interesting. Um, Minena, how did you, I'm sure you've seen that uh, at some point after the pre-season test was done. And have Williams made a step the need so far? Oh, definitely. Everything you said, I mean, Williams is stepping up so much. Let's just hope they keep it up throughout the season. Because as we've all seen in the past, in 2019, Haas did amazingly in the preseason. Haas did amazingly the first race. And then starting the second race, everything went downfall. That's why, as Gunter Steiner has said, the first race is never the race to know if a team is going to perform well or poorly throughout the season. So I really do hope that Williams keep it up, especially because of George Russell, you know, he deserves to grow. I don't want him to start losing his confidence because he definitely has world champion potential. And I just don't want him to feel stuck so this would be great if Williams really does perform this nicely. And I mean, the livery, there's so much controversy towards it, but I loved it. It reminds me so much of the vintage Formula One cars. So everything is pointing very nicely for Williams this season so far. Yeah, and Williams will be hoping to have their um, best season really since, I would probably say 2017, because although 2017 may not have felt like a 
a good season for Williams. Well, it's certainly much better than the last few seasons that they have been that they've had. Um, is he your thoughts on Williams? I mean, Nicholas Latifi, he also got a run in, as did the test driver Roy Nisani, who of course will be racing there too this year with Dams. Where where could we put Williams in terms of not just for Bahrain but for the year ahead? Well, I, I think then I think they're gonna be at least ninth because Haas have said that they're not developing their car. Um and you know, every, if everyone else is developing their car and Haas isn't, then clearly they're gonna sort of fall fall to the back of the, the championship. Um I think they definitely have taken a, a step up, like we've said. Um, but I think, you know, as I can't remember which one of you said it, but um Alpha Tari and Alfa Romeo have also taken a step up. So it's kind of they've taken a step up, but I you know, the other people that they were fighting with last year have also taken a step up. So it's kind of not cancelled it out in, you know, ish. Um, so I'm hoping they can sort of pull it out of the bag a bit, you know, definitely targeting getting into Q2. Um, but with those other teams taking a step up, I'm slightly sort of sceptical about just how far they they can go. Um, but I do, yeah, they're, 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 in, they're going in the right direction for sure. Um, and that's definitely nice to see uh, for the team. Yeah. Um, and I have to say that, you know, Williams are sort of going to be there, thereabouts, I would say. Um, I think they will score points this year, but just not regularly enough. So, but I do feel that they will be above Haas this season. Um, you touched on Alfa Romeo, which is another team I want to go to next. Minena, Alfa Romeo, obviously, I think that's your favourite livery or one of your favourite liveries for this year. Um, yes, I can tell by the gesture of yours. Um, I've spoke to someone about um, Alvaro Romeo's um, performance in pre-season testing, and he, he said that they weren't amazing, but they were fine. Um, what's your what's your perception to that? Oh my gosh, Tom, you are going to get me started with this. For me, everything about Alfa Romeo is wrong, except for the livery. Yes. I, for me, liveries were so huge this season, but okay. I'm a huge Kimi Raikkonen fan, obviously. I mean, who isn't? But in a way, I mean, he said it himself. The Formula One for him is just a hobby now. Even if he did say it as a joke, it definitely feels real. I love Kimi Raikkonen, as I mentioned earlier, but I really do think he should step down from the Formula One and give his seat to a new driver or a potential driver, you know? I feel he's not really doing much for the team. And I don't really think he's gonna do much this season. Antonio Giovinazzi could be a good option for Alfa Romeo since the team is kind of growing, but I mean, he's kind of in, you know, from the last positions in the drivers. So, I mean, I just feel it would be nice to have a potential driver there. So I really don't think they're gonna perform that much better than previous season. I think for me, the result is gonna be exactly the same as 2020. I have to disagree with that because I feel that they've made a step up from last year's car. I mean, they only scored eight points from 17 races, did um, Alfa Romeo bear in mind that, you know, they were very much in the fight with Hassan Williams um, towards the back end of the, um, of the field. And I, I do feel that they will be fighting for points more often. I think they've made a step closer to the points. Um, and I think I think every other race, 
they're going to be in within a shout of points, and I think they will exceed the total of eight um, from last year. So fingers crossed to them. And you touched on with um, with Kimi Raikkonen in regards to what he contributes to the team. Um, his experience is is undeniable, and I think he brings you know a foundation to a team um, for the young guns to build on for when they do join, eventually anyway. And I th- you touched on you know sort of giving someone else a chance or help someone be given the chance that which is something I think his compatriot Mika Hakkinen did um, back when Kimi Raikkonen was a Sauber driver 20 years ago Hakkinen was in a McLaren seat and he took a sabbatical that turned out to be his retirement um, and Raikkonen was given the opportunity at McLaren and he excelled and do I think Raikkonen can do a similar thing um either to another driver already on the grid or to a young gun like Callum Eilert or Robert Schwartzman or even Mick Schumacher, I'm not 100% sure. Um, but that's something to look out for over the course of the year. I mean, it's a long year ahead. And I think by the time we do get to the summer break, that's when the silly season for 2022 could very much be underway. Um, so there's that to um, to bear in mind. Um, after, yeah, go on, um, Manana, what are you going to say? Don't hate me. Don't hate me. <laughs> Okay. Um, Aston Martin is the next team. Um, I thought they struggled. I don't think they got out of the test as much as they needed to have done. Um, Especially Vettel saying that the team are 100 laps short from where they needed to be. Um, Are they sandbagging, is he? Because the times I don't think quite show the true picture as to where um, Aston are. Um, I mean, well, with all the controversy of them copying... The, uh, the Mercedes car, maybe they've copied their sandbagging too. Um, but, you know, I don't think you sandbag so that you don't complete all the laps. Um, you know, clearly they did have quite, you know, a few problems, especially with Sebastian Vettel, definitely did not get the laps in that he needed to. You know, it's a, it's a new car for him, it's a new team, and he needed that time in the car. Um, maybe they had their engines turned down slightly. I mean, I could see that being a possibility, but I do think they, they had issues. Um, I think that's the truth of it. Um, so I, I wouldn't, I mean, yes, they could possibly have their engines turned down, but I, I do think that most of, of their sort of testing performance was genuine issues. Mm-hmm. Izzy, um, Sebastian Vettel had a hydraulic issue. Um, I think it was on the, not the hydraulic, um, gearbox shifting um, issue on day, either day one or day two. Um, it it backs the team up really, to be honest with you, with um, in terms of the mileage that they, um, they needed to have done. Where do we see Aston Martin? Because it's very difficult to tell. Yeah, I'm I'm finding it difficult to tell whether it's um, you know where they're going to be in relation to sort of McLaren and, and Alpine. You know, there's question marks over. You know, Sergio Perez was their stronger driver last season. That's you know not controversial opinion. That's quite clear. Uh, thing to say and Sebastian Vettel had an awful season with Ferrari um, so it's you know can there's a lot of question marks over Aston Martin basically you know, can Sebastian get his, his mojo back um, they had these issues I think it was day two I've, I think I've got written written that Sebastian only did nine laps um, for, for that whole day of testing um, so I don't know maybe it'll be a they will build over the season uh, perhaps, but you know they they would have been P three last year if they hadn't had those fifteen points taken away with the rear brake duct uh, issue. Um, you know, and they would have been 
quite clearly third. It wouldn't have been as close. Um, you know, McLaren would have been 25 points behind instead of 10 at the last race of the season. So, you know, and that's that's kind of, you know, a win for one driver kind of thing. So I think, I don't think that McLaren, McLaren have taken a step up and so have Alpine. But even if Aston Martin stayed where they were last year, they'd still be in the mix. So it's difficult to tell, but I, I don't, I think they've had a poor testing, but I do think they, if they do have those genuine issues with the car, I do think they will at least be able to um, bring the development over the season and get stronger as the season goes on. Yeah. Um, Minana, I mean, Sebastian Vettel, you know, he's learning still. Um, and I think he's still got it. And he, I, I would like to think that he's going to be giving Aston Martin more time. I think, I don't want to sort of say it's a consolidatory year for Sebastian because I feel that he can achieve a lot um, with a car that's um, continuing to develop. It's got obviously the new, I think it's the 2020 rear suspension of Mercedes of last year. And it's a completely new chassis for them as well. It's not a sort of a, a replica of the racing point of last year. It's a totally new chassis for them. Right. Um, I do think Sebastian Vettel still has it in him but I feel that his confidence is going down and that for him is such a big factor. You know, he's used to always going on the top and when he starts going down, so does his mojo go down and that affects him so much on the racing. So preseason testing was terrible for him. If he starts performing this poorly at the beginning of the first of the season, the first few races, I don't really think he's going to recover much from this. I do think that it has been affecting him so much being dethroned by Jacques Leclerc as driver number two by having a bad car at Ferrari after, you know, he bet so much on Ferrari by leaving Red Bull after winning four world championships in a row. So I do see him going up, but I feel it's only up to him, you know? And so far the Aston Martin car has not been great. So it's probably gonna be the same problem he had with Ferrari last season. Yeah. And I think with Lance Stroll, um, is he, it's, I wouldn't say it's do or die for him because I, I don't think he's got too much to lose at this point because he does, there's a project going on there with Aston Martin that I feel it's working for him so far. I just I don't think that he's as bad of a driver as what the results have shown so far. What's, where do you stand with Lance Stroll at the moment? Uh, I mean, clearly, you know, he's a quick racer. He gets a lot of flack for, you know, you know, his dad owns the team and, you know, you can sort of get him into the best seats and stuff, but you, you don't sort of, you know, he, he's, he's won championships in lower form. I think it was F3 that he won the championship. Uh, I might be wrong on that one. No, you're um, right. You're right. Good. Okay. Wow. I've remembered something. Um, so yeah, he, he, you know, he, you, you don't, if you're not a quick driver, you don't win championships basically. Um, you know, he got it, he got, uh, was it just one podium he got last year, but you know, he got that pole position as well. Um, you know, and that pole position was in challenging conditions, um, you know, in the wet. So he's, he's not, you know, people just sort of dismiss him because, you know, his dad owns the team, but I do think he deserves, you know, a, a seat in, in F1. Um, 
I think there's maybe perhaps a little bit less pressure on him than there would be someone else in a seat at a team um, with the prospect of losing it. Um, but I think mainly it's more consistency I want to see from him um, this year. I think that's where, what he needs to work on in order to take a step forward and progress sort of for him personally, I think is, is the consistency. Yeah, I think very much knocking on the door um, with the likes of um, Mercedes and Rebel be, um, would be a huge um, for Aston Martin, you know, given it's their first season since taking over from Racing Point. But I think with McLaren, Alpine and Ferrari, or even Alfatari or Alfa right in the mix there, I think it's going to be quite a tough season for him, for Aston Martin to replicate what they've done last year with a with an RP20, which was absolutely phenomenal to drive. Um, not everyone likes the machine, but it was a competitive machine. Um, was that racing point last year. So if Aston Martin can live up to expectations um, and put on a good, as good of a show as last year, if not better, then that, that'd be fantastic for us as spectators watching. And the next team is Haas. Um, I don't feel that it wasn't disastrous, but I just, I think you've got to say that they're going to be sort of on the back foot going into the season ahead. They don't, they don't look as ready as they need to be if they want to be fighting with the rest of the field. I think they're just going to be very much picking up the pieces, Manana. Well, I do want to point something out from the Haas team. Yes, I do think they're going to be the last on the grid. They're the only team with two rookies. That speaks for itself in a way. But also, I would like to point out that Nikita Masapin was the third driver that completed the most laps in preseason. And I feel he's another driver that we shouldn't be underestimating so much. He comes here with hunger, you know? He wants to prove that people are wrong about him and about his controversy and everything. Even when everybody says that Mick Schumacher is going to perform better than Nikita, there's no doubt about that. But they did kind of surprise us a little bit at preseason testing in which one of those days Nikita did end up in a higher position than Mick. So I do feel these two rookies are going to be the ones to watch. I mean, Yuki is another thing, you know, he's also in a higher team, but the competition is going to be very interesting between these two rookies. And I think when you see a driver in a car that's rather inferior, you have to look at see how a driver outperforms the machine. We saw that at times with George Russell last year in the Williams and also the year before, that there's no doubt that he's able to, he's, he may not be as happy as he would want to be in a car, but if he can perform as good, like much better than what the car shows, that's when other teams, you know, sort of want to hop and say, do you want to drive for us? And I think if Mick Schumacher was to excel this year, would that open door for a potential seat at Alfa Romeo? I'm not 100% sure. But it's the fact that sponsors do speak. Um, and I think with Gunter Steiner in terms of how he's gone about his business in terms of trying to get sponsorship in, he will want to keep Mick on board because the sponsors of which he's brought in, for example, Ionis, who are like a sort of German communication company, it's what's got, it's, they are the reason why, well, not the reason why Mick Schumacher is there, but Mick Schumacher is the reason why Ionis have agreed a sponsorship deal with Haas. And, and Haas won't want to let that go. And if they don't want to let that go, they've got to keep Mick there. And if they want to keep Mick there, they've got to produce a better car than what they've currently got. And that's the problem that they face. So it's going to be 
it's going to be a year of discovery, really, for um, for Haas. And I think with Nikita Mazepin there as well, who obviously has been in the headlines for the wrong reasons, um, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting year ahead of him. But I don't think this year should all be about Nikita Mazepin. It should be about the whole field. You know, it's not it's not the Nikita Mazepin show. It's it's Formula One. That's what we've got to remember. So. Um, so yeah, um, where, where do you see Haas going about their business this year, um, Izzy? Because Mazepin, he's been relatively, I would say he's been okay in terms of what he's done with, in terms of the quality laps and the race sims and stuff. But I think it's going to be very much, you know, what can they gain from where other teams um, lose, really? Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a year of, of picking up the pieces for them. I think also with two rookies in the team, you know, normally that's kind of unheard of um you know even just having two younger people with ferrari raised a few eyebrows um uh this year but i think you know there's a lot to be said from the amount that a rookie can learn from a more experienced driver in their first season um and i think that is something that puts them on the back foot having the two rookies no matter the quality of the rookies driving i mean obviously mick won one f2 nikita also did did well in f2 last year um so I do think that that will have an impact and perhaps uh, it's not something that I hadn't considered at least in, until um, sort of a couple of days ago that actually the, the amount that they can learn from other drivers within the team, seeing how they give feedback, seeing all of that kind of thing, um, you know, it's obviously very different from a spec series like F2. Um, but I do think they're both quick drivers. Uh, I think a lot of it will be restricted. Yeah, you know, the point that Tom made about outperforming the car, if they can show that they can outperform that car then i think that's a win for them no matter you know if they get no points if they get two points if they're outperforming the car and we can see that i i think if i was either of them i'd class that as a win but in terms of Haas as a team um i think they're sort of just biding their time until 2022 really and the new regulations let's go into a little bit of news um in there's been the unveiling of the Jeddah street circuit over the last week and I have to say, it does look very interesting. I mean, when you look at it in comparison to a lot of other circuits, it's obviously the longest circuit in terms of the, the width of it, you know, in terms of covering the surface area. Um, from what we've seen on the onboard, what do we make of it? And um, because, you know, I do like it, but the only problem is it's if one driver goes offline, gets onto the marbles on such a fast area of the circuit, um, we discussed it, Izzy, before the show that it's potentially a recipe for for disaster. Yeah, um, I think with it being a street circuit and it being a very narrow street circuit, um, I think that 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 is something that you know is the possibility of, of being possibly dangerous. Um, it does look like a very fast flowing circuit. I think I'm I struggle to visualize what racing is going to be like until we've had at least one race on it. I'm bad at the visualizing what's going to happen um but you know i i kind of want to see so they, they there's 27 corners but i kind of want to see how many corners the drivers are actually going to count because there's other tracks that have you know officially have lots of corners but they don't sort of they don't count so um yeah it's, it's fast flowing um it's a new track so that's always exciting to see we've not raced there before no one else has raced there before um so it, it's something for the for the a new thing for the for fans to enjoy, um, but I think it's the potential. I um, it's a night race which I love, but 
I still think, yeah, it's difficult to say until until you actually see the actual you know you can you can do as many simulations but it's difficult to say until you actually see the actual cars on track yeah and i think i saw a um a sim video of um of an onboard um in terms of lap time i think it was something like one minute 29 which is very very fast actually um it's expected to be i think a 50 lap race um so we could looking at potentially you know an hour 15 an hour and 20 minutes so just it's not as quick as Monza, but it's, it's close to it. Um, Minana, what was your reaction to the unveiling of the circuit? Because it was different to one that we thought that may have been the racetrack for some, but it just it found out to be a pretty much a fake one that we saw um, a month or so back. But this one that is very much genuine. Um, what's your verdict on this new layout? Well, I mean, I think everything this season well not everything but a lot of things this season have been just renders so this is kind of like the way the formula one is working now with this whole covid thing that's how alpine also presented their livery i i, I think it's okay but i do like things to be more like present as izzy says it's harder to visualize when you don't really know how the things really are so yeah, I do like more a bit of a live action than something a bit on the screen. Yeah, and I think for gamers as well, like for myself, I, I'm all for new circuits, you know, I'm all for trying them. And then as ever in life, you never try until you actually go there and see what it's actually like. And you never know, it could prove to be um, a spectacle um, for the fans. And um, so, yeah, and, and don't forget F2 are um, racing in Saudi Arabia. Um, as well um, and should it go ahead um, with what's been going on with the pandemic um, it could prove to be one of the races of the season and with it being such a, a hectic calendar you know we've got 23 races scheduled um, we could be in for a um, for you know one brilliant season you know with events that we're going to like Zandvoort as well because Zandvoort we haven't been to since 1985 which Formula 1 was meant to be going there last year but couldn't because of the pandemic um, that's another um, venue to look forward to. And I think that takes me on to my next question, Izzy. Um, which events are you looking forward to the most this year, bearing in mind about how many races we've got so far and like in terms of how they're all crammed together? I mean, you, you literally were just talking about it. I'm excited for Zanvor. Um I was excited to go there last year and then we didn't get to. Um, I obviously... Formula One hasn't raced there in, in my lifetime and quite a bit before my lifetime. Um, so I'm excited, you know, for something new. Um, I mean, I always like Silverstone because when I'm at home, I live near there and I can hear the cars. So, you know, even if I don't get to be there, um, hopefully, you know, they're selling tickets for it, but, you know, um, I can, it's sort of close to home. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I love a lot of the tracks like you know spa monza you know the traditional ones i, I love i love the traditional tracks um which is kind of a bit of a boring answer but i think i'd have to go you know spa monza silverstone are my sort of top three um but also zanvort for, for something new and exciting yeah um Minana, you mentioned obviously mexico um which events are you anticipating the most this year and why well, I'm really excited to see Monaco back also, just like Izzy. I'm also a boring woman. 
for me, the classics are the best ones. Monaco back this season for me is really exciting. It's my favorite track. And well, Mexico, obviously, because duh, I'm Mexican. But I would really like to try and go to the Montreal Grand, Cir Grand Prix this season. I don't know. I mean, it's probably from the most underrated, but then again, sometimes the most underrated circuits could actually be really exciting. So yeah, I'm excited for those three. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for Imola because I enjoyed um, Imola last year. You know, I don't know what it is. It's just my childhood thing, you know, Formula One racing at Imola. And it just, it felt weird that Formula One hadn't raced at Imola for 14 years. And the fact that they went back there last year for the first time in a long time, um, it's it was a privilege. And I think we've, the fact we've got Portimao as well, um, we've got Zandvoort, as I've already mentioned, um, and other circuits like Jeddah, which I'm all for going for new circuits. So um, there's going to be a, a lot to discover. I mean, if there's anything that happens, if the pandemic decides to interrupt with any events and we end up going to different ones which weren't scheduled to begin with, but will end up getting scheduled, then um, I'll be all for it because I enjoyed Magello, I enjoyed Nürburgring, I enjoyed Istanbul, can't forget that. Um, so there's plenty of venues out there that could, that potential backups and um, possibly, you know, candidates for a part of the um, rotation of the calendar for future years. So there's that to consider. Right, uh, we're coming close to the end of the show, guys. We want your predictions for the race weekend. Um, we'll start off with pole position. Izzy, who are you going to go for? Um, I hate predicting things. Um, I'm going to go with Max Verstappen. Yeah. Manona, would you agree with that? Yes. I wanted to say the same thing. So if we don't get our predictions correct, we take a shot for everyone that we get wrong. <laughs> if it's tequila, then I'll pass on that. <laughs> yeah, I'll pass. Uh, I'll, I will say Max Verstappen, though, because I, I think Red Bull will have to be the favourite. So I'm going into the weekend. Um, Top three, who do you think will win? Who do you think will finish second and third? Izzy, we'll start with you. As I said, Max on pole, we'll go with a Max win. Um, we'll go Verstappen, Hamilton, Perez, because I'd like to see him do well in his first race with them. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? I think that's a, that's a good shout. Um, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if, you know, a team, someone from either McLaren, Alpine, or even Aston Martin, um, we're up there. Um, Manana, what's your top three? So I'm going to try be, to be going a little bit bold here and say that Mercedes is going to have issues with their car. Therefore, I want to say Max, Checo, and Ricardo. <laughs> so Rebel 1-2 and then Ricardo in the McLaren. But okay, okay, I, I, I get that. You know, it's one of those sort of season opener um belters that we could be in for but you know i suppose the safety you know if we end up with a safety car and mercedes have like similar issues to what they had in the second grand prix with the tire mix up with bottas and russell then you know who knows you know it could history could repeat itself not that i'm jinxing it but, but anyway um that's all we've got time for this week folks thank you for thank you for tuning in next week nathan hine joe ellis and donny Burnett will be with me to review the first race of the year in bahrain so for missy manana and all of us at motorsport week it's goodbye.
Bye.